0: Welcome to Being Modern, Being Human, a podcast about contemporary society. And my guest today is Michelle Steiner. She has a learning disability, which involves difficulties with math, visual perception, hand dexterity, and executive functioning. Today, we will talk about the challenges of having a learning disability, how to overcome it, and how we can help people with learning disabilities better integrate Into the education system and society at large. Welcome, Michelle. Good to see you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So let's begin. Could you explain what a learning disability is? Are there specific types of learning disabilities?
1: A learning disability. Is difficulty with learning certain things. It's how the brain is process, how the brain processes information. People that have them are very smart. They are able to learn. They discuss- their brain just processes and learns information differently. There are different types of learning disabilities. The most common one that we're familiar with is dyslexia, and that is the reading disability. There's other areas that a learning disability can have too, such as calculea, which I have, and that is the math learning disability. And there's also ones that how a brain would process auditory information. So there, there are different ways that learning disabilities affect people, but the main thing is that it's just a different way of processing information.
0: And what is the neuroscience behind this learning disability? How does the brain work in people with a learning disability?
1: One of the ways that someone's brain might work differently with a learning disability is when somebody asks a person that is neurotypical a question, their brain automatically starts processing an answer. But when you have somebody that has a learning disability, their brain is processing the question. So it's just different ways of under processing questions, understanding information too. Sometimes you might even have somebody with a learning disability. But they're really great. Like for me, I'm really great at reading and I'm really good at writing. But if you look at my math scores, they are low and I struggle in that area as well.
0: So tell me about your personal experience. How did you discover your learning disability? How challenging was it? What was your experience in childhood and late? I was diagnosed
1: with a learning disability when I was in kindergarten. My preschool teachers thought something was amiss with my development. But we decided that we were gonna go into kindergarten. And when I got into kindergarten, I really struggled with math. That was always the biggest piece that we struggle with, but also things like tying my shoes, my eye hand coordination. And I also struggled socially. And part of that was my brother didn't come along till I was 13. So I was an only child and had a little more adult interactions than peer interactions with somebody that would have siblings. And my teacher noticed that I was definitely behind with the other students. And they evaluated me and found out that I had indeed a learning disability. And it was pretty clear from the beginning I wasn't going to be a mathematician. They told my dad remembers pretty vividly them saying that your daughter is never going to be able to understand how how numbers work for me, that was really difficult in the very beginning because like any other kid, you wanted to make your teacher happy. You really wanted to be smart and please your parents. You you know, I know my parents were always on my side and it just seemed like everybody else had a lot of an easier time with learning than I did. I had to repeat kindergarten in a new school and I began to receive specialty instruction. And it was difficult when I went into learning support. A lot of the students that I was with, they struggled with reading. And sadly, some of them had some really difficult behavior issues and they came from some, some rough family backgrounds. So it was really difficult. I couldn't really relate to a lot of the kids in my learning support class. And when I eventually got into regular ed for some classes, such as science and social studies and, and eventually reading, it was hard to relate to them. Most of them loved me and with the learning support kids and didn't view me as smart. So that was really tough to find where I sit in at.
0: Social sciences, literature, English, these were your favorites, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, why do you think it was easier for you to learn these subjects?
1: I think it was easier for me to learn them. Number one, I had an interest. My dad read to me, both well, my parents read to me, but I can remember my dad reading to me a lot. So that that fostered a love for books and reading. And I was able, to, I loved, once I was able to learn how to read, I really enjoyed that. I think the only thing I struggled with was reading comprehension with that. But so that, that was a big thing. You had to like it. And it didn't involve a lot of math. Now, with science, we ran into issues uh, when it involved math, or that higher order thinking, that could be really difficult for me. But I was able to handle that with having the supports of extended test time and just having the extra reinforcement, uh, learning those subjects, and just, but I, yeah, wasn't going to <laughs> go in and become the next scientist. That wasn't something that was going to happen either, but we could do that. But the math, that's where I just could, I'm just not a great math person. If that's where the heart of the disability comes,
0: comes into play. What was so, difficult in learning math as compared to learning social sciences and English, in fact, sure. those are both abstractions. So language is an yeah. abstraction and math is Perfect. also an ab- abstraction. What is the difference?
1: I think the difference was, even though they're both abstract concepts, uh, when you have math, it's pretty unforgiving. If you mess up a number, there's really not a lot of wiggle room to to be able to solve that. You pretty much just (laughs) don't have a, yeah, you're not able to solve it. But a lot of times with English and literature, there's a little more wiggle room for opinions. There's a little more diverse things. Someone might read something that you write, it might have a, a different take on that than you might think. So there's a little more forgiveness with that. And it's just somehow I understood how those rules work. Even though sometimes learning those rules can be difficult too for some people, it just somehow my brain just is able to pick up that this is how we use the grammar and this is how we, these are the rules. And I'm able to pick that up and has a little more forgiveness. But math, I just never really understood that. And that's another thing with learning disabilities, especially math-based ones. I was not able to try and tell my race from my left. That's a part of having dyscalculia. My brain just has the difficulty. I have to think about it for a minute. Oh, what shoe am I putting on? Or when someone says, give me your right hand or give me your left hand, I'll have to pull, I'll have to put both of my hands out just for a second. And then I'm able to tell. I'm also not able to read the face of a clock. And that's another key thing when you have dyscalculia that people just can't read a face of an analog clock. So we do other ways. We'll have digital clocks. My Fitbit is great for being able to tell what time it is and there's ways around it.
0: Interesting. Could you elaborate on visual perception and hand dexterity? What challenges does that pose?
1: Visual perception. We always knew that I was not the most coordinated one. I had a lot of a nightmare <laughs> gym sessions with, I would flinch whenever a ball would come in my eyes and trying to track words too. Even though I was a good reader just trying to visually track the words but my vision is pretty good and but it's trying to coordinate things just being able to not trip over your own feet and that really became a factor when I was a teenager with driving my parents figured we would wait a year before I got my license. we would try to get my license and They also tried having me work the family as a lawnmower. I grew up in the country on the big hill, and they sent me out in the field to mow that. And I ended up not making straight lines. I made circles. That's where our crop circles come from. We figured that out. (laughs) And they had me try to drive the family car up our driveway. Thankfully, my mom was in the car with me because we would have wrecked into the garage if she didn't stop that. We figured something was going on, so I did receive a driver's license evaluation at a rehabilitation hospital, and they just determined that they I couldn't get my license because of my visual perception. And I've been able to get rides off of people, live in a central location where I'm able to walk places, so that's really been to help. A lot of people think visual perception; they think it's in the eyes, but it's more it's a brain based disability of just how. Everything works together. Hand dexterity that affects my handwriting, and with opening objects, uh, trying to unlock doors, or I'm not able to use a manual can opener. I have to use an electric one. My hands just aren't able to do that. And they didn't find out till I was an adult that I had hand dexterity issues. We always knew that my handwriting wasn't that great. I. I still remember getting a W on my own card in elementary school for indicating weakness with my handwriting. But when I had an evaluation done for a learning disability, they said, you have very weak hand dexterity in both hands. And all of a sudden, the light bulb went off. And I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense why I struggled so much in school and why there are certain things that still today are really difficult for me to do with my hands.
0: Uh, Do you know other people with learning disabilities? Do you communicate with such people? And what are the common problems? And what is different from person to person?
1: Sure. I've had the opportunity to meet people that have had learning disabilities. Some have been in person. I see a lot of students in schools, like in the school that I work at, that do have disabilities. And a lot of times what they uh, struggle with Is a lot of reading issues. So I'm able to say, yeah, I hear you. I understand that. And just give them those ways that you can advocate for yourself. I also do have students that come in with math issues. And I have to be pretty honest to say that I can help you with your reading. I can help you with your English. Or I can read your test to you. I can't really help you with the math. I'm not great on that myself. And sometimes that can validate for a student that has difficulties that Okay. Somebody else does struggles with that. I've also met people virtually that have math disabilities and a lot of times what they struggle with is the same things that I do, like reading the face of a clock or remembering math facts or just how numbers work. So it's really nice when you're able to connect with somebody that that does have a disability.
0: That's true. How do you overcome these disabilities? Do you have any special practices? How does that work? I will
1: um, never be able to fully uh, overcome having a a learning disability, but I can use strategies that can help me. If I'm back in school, I go back to school. I know i always need to have extended test time and we've had a note taker before and that was really helpful too. And getting that sometimes Talking and advocating with my professors on what I needed, that was helpful at my job. I can ask, but most people know (laughs) that I work with that I have a learning disability and I just might need instructions repeated or to have really clear instructions on what you want me to do rather than give me a vague understanding. And just sometimes it's just easier for me to teach myself how to do something. So if somebody gives me copies to go to the coffee room and there's a new machine, I'll sometimes have to take a little extra time and teach myself how to do some of those things. And it's helpful when people write down what they want me to do. This is how many copies I want you to make. I want you to do front to back or double-sided. And that that can be really helpful for me. And with the not driving, living in a central location helps. So I'm able to walk places that I need to go. And I'm also have a great support system that can take me to those places as well.
0: That's wonderful. How did your learner disability affect your so- sociability in school or later? You seem to be very lively and open-minded and I think you have a lot of friends, but was it different when you were a teenager, for instance? Yes,
1: it was very different when I was a teenager. I can remember not, especially as I got older, when there was Friend groups and everyone seemed to have a group, and I just didn't fit into either one of them. So, one of the things I did was I started to hang out with people outside of where I went to school at. In a neighboring town, there was an art group, and I can remember, oh, I found other people that were my age. I found that they had interest with that and they accepted me. I didn't have that reputation that I did from kindergarten in that school. So that, that helped immensely. That gave me the chance to reach out into other community groups that I'm still friends with some of those people today and have the same interests. So that was really helpful doing that. Just sharing my story helps too. I'm able to do that with my blog, Michelle's Mission. I remember I had a friend that told me years ago, I really should write about this. And I told her, oh, I don't know if I really want to, because even though I was or do relationships. I just didn't feel comfortable with sharing that. And, but once I got my first article published, I had such a warm reception with other people and the connection that I felt with others. It
0: just was amazing. Tell me more about your blog. When did you start it and what does it bring you? My blog is called Michelle's Mission. I began that a
1: year ago and I put information about. Having a learning disability, I use a lot of metaphors cuz another thing that's really important to me is nature and I get to experience with taking with photography. A lot of times I'll because I can't drive, I'll be walking and I'm able to pick up on details of flowers and other things that a lot of people will miss that I put a lot of my pictures up there and I I kind of relate things in nature like metaphors with having a learning disability. And My goals are to encourage, to empower, and to educate other people on learning disabilities.
0: That's wonderful. (laughs) Since you work in school and can observe different students, including those with a learning disability, in your opinion, what kind of support do they need and how can that be done on the society level?
1: First of all, every person that comes in with a learning disability is unique. They're going to have different needs. They're going to have different things that work for them. And it's that creative problem solving to to get that where they need. But a lot of times the extended test time helps in a school. Having a test read aloud, I can remember thinking, I'm a good reader. (laughs) But just having those questions read aloud, it, it makes more sense to people. I think sometimes having clear expectations and instructions helps too. And I think as a society, what we need is to, first of all, understand that learning disabilities are out there. I will have a lot of people that I tell them I have a learning disability, they look at me and they say, because it's hidden, you don't look like you're disabled. I am to say, I do have a disability and you just may not be able to see it. So I think that has to be out there and I think offering a society that's accepting And also inclusive to people that may be neurodiverse or may think differently or may learn differently. I think it's that acceptance that that needs to happen and create communities for people that may not be able to uh, drive to expand the transportation and for services for folks that just may need that in a more central location.
0: Tim mentioned that some people do not know that there is such a thing as a learning disability. Is there so little awareness about that in society? I
1: think that there is a lot of myths around it. And I think that people have a lot of ideas of what they think it is until they know somebody that's had one or they've experienced it themselves. I think that a lot of times people don't really understand it or people think, oh, learning disability, you, you must not be able to learn. No, I can learn just I just might need a different route to do that and sometimes it's wherever the biggest awareness is so we'll have a lot of awareness with dyslexia so people will think oh you must have trouble reading and that's not always the case people don't have an awareness to that a lot of times people would have said in the past oh dyscalculia that must be a rare disability but the statistics show It's just as prevalent as somebody that has dyslexia. And the key thing is our brains are just, with all learning disabilities, our brains are just simply wired differently. That's
0: true. I think uh, there is a lot of awareness about dyslexia. Other types of learning disabilities are not that much talked Mm -hmm. about. It's really important to talk about that. And I think thanks to our podcast, we can uh, raise that awareness as well. Definitely. and to conclude this interview, I would like to ask you a traditional question I ask all my uh, guests. The podcast is uh, titled Being Modern, Being Human. What does being modern, being human means to you?
1: I think what being modern and being human means to me is despite whether somebody learns how somebody learns, or how somebody thinks, everybody or Everybody is a human and deserves to be treated with the respect. And I think with being modern is accepting that there are different types of thinking and abilities and different types of lifestyles.
0: Beautiful. What would you wish for yourself and for people around you?
1: (laughs) What I would wish for myself and other people around me is just to have that, that, just to have that kindness and respect towards each other.
0: That's wonderful. Thank you for listening. A new episode of Being Modern, Being Human will come out in two weeks, as usual. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a rating or review on one of your favorite platforms. That will help others discover the podcast and enjoy it as much as you do. In the meantime, take care and have a good time.